we're having a bit of an experiment today. Yeah? What's, what's happening? Well, we're trying out our new headphone system, which sounds a bit echoey. So oh, okay. Well, hopefully it's okay. <laughs> we'll get to the end. But we've also got a cooler, a an air cooler. It's not a refrigerator. It's not an air conditioner. It's based on the, was it called the Kalgoorlie cooler? The Cool Guardi. Cool Guardi. Fridge. The Cool Guardi fridge, which is basically <laughs> soaking a bag in water. Hessian bag, I think. Hessian is. bag. And uh, when the water evaporates, it cools down everything inside. Well, this is a machine that has the same principle and actually works. Hmm. And it's not very noisy, we hope, because otherwise you'll be listening to it right now. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about some of the interesting uh, results from our current poll, um, which is the fairly negative, who do you hate most in your strata scheme? And that's thrown up a couple of interesting entries. And we're going to talk about what's happening in the Balmain Leagues Club development or what's not happening. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about this fantastic way that you can save hundreds of thousands of dollars on a new apartment which sounds pretty obvious to me, but uh, we'll have a look. We'll have a chat about that. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for Domain and the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age and the AFR. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. poll turn out? This was a poll of Flat Chat readers? Flat Chat readers. Click on the poll. I think they had 10 options of the people that uh, irritate them most in their strata scheme. Were you number one? I was not on the list <laughs> for that simple reason. I, I did think of putting on the list people who do polls. but um. <laughs> So right from the get-go, right at the top of the list, there were two outstanding categories. One was strata managers. <gasps> people don't like them. Some people don't like some of them. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and, and the other one was smokers, balcony oh, smokers. Oh, my God. Are we still getting balcony smokers? Well, it's interesting because the laws or the way the laws are implemented and interpreted are changing. And there's been a lot of cases recently where people who smoke on the balcony or even people who smoke inside their units are being told not to by tribunals. Can they? Can you t stop people smoking inside their units if it's not bothering anybody else? Well, no, if it, not if it's not bothering anybody else. That's oh, okay. the key to okay. this. So if they've got a child in there, I can understand they wouldn't be allowed to smoke, maybe. Well, but that, oddly enough, that's like, child services would have to be involved in that. Mm. If they've got children, they shouldn't be smoking in the house anyway. But they changed the law recently when they were talking about nuisance. There's a law in Strata that you're not allowed to cause a nuisance to other residents or even guests and in their homes or on co common property. And then they changed the law a couple of years ago to include smoke from smoking. They were very specific about this. Because there was this scare campaign fueled, it has to be said, by fair trading that said, this means you'll not, you won't have barbecues on your balcony anymore because of the smoke, which I think would be a good thing. But anyway, they, that was not never going to see the light of day. So they made it quite clear that this nuisance could include smoke from smoking. Now that has opened up. Inside your house? No, no, apartment. no. Smoke drift. 
from inside to outside. From your balcony to somebody else's oh, no, balcony. No, I can understand you can't smoke on your balcony because of drift, but you were saying you're not allowed to smoke inside your apartment. If you either. smoke inside your apartment and open the windows and that smoke oh, drifts into somebody else's apartment or okay. onto common property, then that would count as well. Right. Or if you have an air conditioning system that pushes out your smoke Yep. to other apartments, which has yep. happened before. Yes, indeed. Mm. Yeah, so more and more people have been challenging the smokers in their buildings, mm. and uh, the smokers have been being told that they can't do it anymore. Does this count for vapes as well? Yes. Well, Cause vapes- I'm saying yes, but I don't know. I don't know. It's, I mean, this is where the law falls behind society. Mm. Mm. But we had a, a reader who wrote to us, and she she was really good. She kept us up to date with what had happened. So she assumed that there would be a bylaw in her building when she bought into the apartment that said you couldn't smoke on your balcony. Mm. I don't know why she would assume that, but she did. Then she gets to the apartment, discovers that that it was all fine until new people moved uh, next door to her. And they said quite clearly, look, we, we smoke a lot and we smoke on the balcony. <gasps> and oh, she said, I, I hope that. that's okay. And she said, well, no, no, it's not really. And she said, I and my daughter have asthma. We have, you know, yeah. a condition. And sure enough, these people started smoking like chimneys and the smoke was coming not just onto her balcony, but into her apartment. And she had the mm-hmm. choice then, do I close all the windows all day while these people are smoking? Mm. So she went to the committee and said, look, here is what the law says. Um, This is a nuisance. Can you do something about it? And the response was, get a life. (gasps) Oh, that's mean. Yeah. And gradually she felt other people in the building being turned against her. That These smokers had kind of gone, yo, it's un-Australian to stop people from smoking and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) So she took them to tribunal. Mm. And they got a lawyer who subpoenaed her medical records. Can you believe this? Oh, isn't that awful? So these animals who so determined to inflict their smoke on other people that they got a lawyer to demand, and the subpoena was granted, to see her medical records, which she found really, as anyone would, deeply distressing because there was stuff in her medical records that had nothing to do with asthma. Sure, sure. And so, as you can imagine, it got very, very bitter and very, very nasty and very, very expensive. Mm. And then right at the last minute, the people said, okay, we won't smoke on the balcony. God. So it inflames passions, smoking. So to speak. So to speak. Mm. No pun intended. Mm. But it's, I mean, look, I, I have problems. You know, people below us naming no names. Every so often, especially when they've got visitors, they poop bloody prawns on their barbecue and the stink from that is it's it's like chemical warfare Mm, sure but smoking is much much worse because they do it very occasionally yeah smoking happens all the time yeah and is really bad for your health i mean it's bad for everybody's health yeah i mean i guess burnt prawns aren't great either but Mm. It's not as offensive. But, you know, there's no question it's been scientifically proven that secondhand smoke will damage your health. Yep, that's right. So it is a nuisance and it is nasty and and nobody wants – it's funny, you get into a lift in an apartment block and you think, oh, somebody's been smoking in here. And what has actually happened is a smoker Mm. has got into the lift and 
the pong from their clothes. Yeah, because we're just so much more sensitive about it now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. well, Mm. as reformed smokers, we are hypersensitive. But I wonder if if smokers knew how much they stink, would they still keep smoking? I mean, we spend so much money on deodorants and, Mm. and perfume and whatnot. Yeah, I wonder if that is a thing these days. Yeah, I mean, I'm, because we, in the old days, everyone smoked, so nobody really noticed at all. I wonder how people would but, react if you said, "Oh, you're a smoker. Oh, how did you know? Because you stink." Mm. People might be offended. I'd, I'd choose the person you say that to in the lift very carefully, Jimmy. Yes, <laughs> and it's a lot of people especially who go to in a confined space. <laughs> And the other bugbear in Strata is the Strata manager. Mm. You know, and I uh, mean, I do feel sorry for a lot of Strata managers. I mean, there's some awful ones out there. There's no doubt about that. There are some really good ones as well. And the Strata manager is the person we always blame when we have problems in Strata. I think, mm. and uh, sometimes that that's quite justifiably, and sometimes it's quite unfair. I'd say most of the times it's unfair. Mm. Yeah, we've got. Very good friends who are strata managers, and we've got a strata management company that sponsors this website, and they have been terrific. Mm, They're really, really good. They communicate, they listen to you, they try and solve problems before they happen, all that sort of stuff. But then there are people out there who's just a money-making business, Mm -hmm. Mm. and they're advertising for new recruits. You come along and... You can make fabulous commissions on all the Schedule B charges that mm, you issue. Gosh, yeah. You know, that's got nothing to do with helping the community. Or no. any, you know, it is possible to be a valued member of the community and make money. Mm, yeah. They're not mutually exclusive. No, that's right. But some of these people, and, they, and strata managers, you know, you say to them, what about embedded networks and they say, oh, yeah, it's terrible, all these things with stormwater drains and electricity and stuff. And you say, well, why did you promote that in this new building? Why mm. did you put that on the agenda that it should be approved? Oh, well, you know, that's what is expected of us. Mm, really? Maybe it is, but you're in a position to change things. Why don't you change things exactly. rather than just going, oh, one day we get our check? And maybe that's expected by developers, but it's certainly not expected by strata residents. Well, strata residents, new strata residents don't even realise it's happening. Yeah, and they kind of look to the strata manager for guidance. Yeah. And assume that it's going to be quite level-headed and fair. And I got really annoyed last week because I was reading a story in the the Herald and it said that Strata Community Australia represents owners and tenants. Oh, God, that old chestnut. Yeah, and I thought, when will people learn? And I actually called the journalist up, or I emailed her, and said, look, this is wrong. And Mm. she said, well, it depends what you mean by represent. (laughs) I think, well, I usually use the Macquarie Dictionary meaning of represent. And I think OCN got onto her in a big way as well. But, you know, when these things get into newspapers and get online, Mm. they just get repeated and repeated and repeated until people think they're true. true. I've done a big thing on the the website this week about why Strata Community Australia does not represent owners or Mm. tenants. Mm. And for the simple reason, it doesn't even represent all the strata managers. (laughs) So how can it claim to represent tenants? Come Mm. on. Mm, yeah. Tenants absolutely. are represented by Tenants New South Wales in yeah. New South Wales, yeah. represented by the Tenants Union. Apartment owners are represented by the Owners Corporation Network. That's all you need to know. Mm, yeah. 
So I guess strata managers, some of them have got a bit of work to do to, to polish up their reputation a bit. I think they're going to be under pressure this year because the government is changing the laws and they're targeting strata managers. Okay. They just haven't told the strata managers this yet. Oh. <laughs> um, but they're really looking at some of the guys. I mean, we had the, one of our readers managed to get a statutory appointment of a strata manager only to do the normal strata management jobs, not to take over the whole running of the scheme. That's a good idea. But they were getting rid of a strata manager who had been sacked from four other buildings mm. for just for being totally incompetent and potentially corrupt. And guess what? Another member of the tribunal made that strata manager a statutory appointment in a fifth building. Mm. So he had total control. There's The committee's sacked. He makes all the decisions for the building. And you think, what are these people at the tribunal doing? I mean, are they even looking at the history? Are they listening to owners? No, well, I went to one of those hearings um, with the person you're talking about, and they, they didn't actually look at any references or anything like that. They just looked at where that person had served before, and not even really their record. They just kind of took um, people on the one side saying, oh, he's a great bloke, and on the other side saying he's an awful bloke, but um, not, not really looking at any of the proper evidence. Right. It was really strange. I mean, given that's the only NCAT hearing I've ever been to, so I'm not very familiar with how it works, but it it didn't really give you much confidence in the whole process, really. Well, it's kind of irresponsible that they are not taking the care. If they're about to sack a strata committee and give one person or one company full control of a building, you'd Mm. think they'd look into their references and their their past history Mm. just for a couple of seconds. Yeah. So I do think... I can understand why strata managers are so high on the list of people that you don't get on with because they are the people that you are in most commonly likely to be in dispute with over something in your building. Mm. That doesn't mean to say they're wrong. Yeah. It just means they're in the firing line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, other people who were high on the list were bylaw breachers mm. and rogue parkers were pretty oh, yeah. high up as well. But yeah. uh That's fairly obvious. When we come back, we're going to have a quick chat about what's happening in the Balmain, former Balmain Leagues Club. That's after this. Well, there was a headline in the paper the other day that really caught my attention. Mm -hmm. The cursed apartment block, it said. All right. And I thought, thought, which one? (laughs) Which one are we talking about now? And it's the Balmain Leagues Club. Oh. Now, that has been, what, is it 15 years that that's been? Oh, my God, at least, I would think. That's the one at Roselle, isn't it, on that huge, big road? Well, Victoria Road, but that yeah. would be a lot quieter, or will be soon, when uh, the Roselle new tunnel goes interchange. through. change. Mm. Yep. But apparently they, had all, they were all set to go. They were going to have, they were going to, they closed down the Balmain Rugby League Club they're going to use the land to build an apartment block and a new club. And then it all went pear-shaped for a variety of reasons. They didn't get approval for the size of thing they wanted. And people came and went. I think uh, Benny Elias, the rugby league player, was involved in that. Don't say his nickname. <laughs> he, he was involved at some point because he was a, a Balmain player, I believe. Anyway, they got a new developer all ready to go. And then... 
the government changed its its policy on building permissions and uh, low cost housing. Mm. And I think the developers gone. Oh, if I change my plans, this is going to be a much more economical project for me. So he wants to build higher now. Is that right? A couple of stories higher. I don't know, uh, but he, he's he's certainly looking at incorporating low low cost or affordable housing mm. into the scheme, which wasn't there before, which is going to give him some sort of advantage. And you kind of you think, well, it's good that a developer is taking government policy into account, but it also feels a little bit opportunistic, doesn't mm. it? Because I think the government desperately wants something to happen to that site because it's been such an eyesore for such a long time. Yeah. And it's been so embarrassing for a lot of people because at one point it was going to that land was going to be bought for the new road, wasn't it? And yes. Then, and then they kind of decided that they changed their mind. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. So the whole thing has been mothballed and then brought back into the light and then mothballed again. And it's, you know, it's a terrible. It's an indictment, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's a, an image of failure. Yes. And um, so I think the government would be very keen to have something done to it very quickly. Yeah. And so the developer is probably quite happy about that too. Because yeah, maybe- except that they're now redrawing their plans. And mm. so the whole thing's been put on delay again. What a shame. It is. Yeah. Because it would be a good kind of, it would be a good place to live. I mean, for apartments, it's very close to the city. I don't think the people of Balmain are, and Roselle are terribly keen on it. No. Because they like their little cottages and their twisty streets and their inability to park. <laughs> and their pubs. And their pubs. Although they've got some nice new developments down by the water. Mm, that's right, yeah. Which are, are they're okay. I've been yeah. in one. They're all right. Anyway, so the Balmain Leagues Club. So it's still going to carry struggles on. Struggles on. Yeah. What a shame. Yeah. Just but when it looked like it was going to be solved. One of these days. Mm. Another thing that's come up is in the paper was the apartment tweak that could have saved renters $1,800 a year. Yeah, it's kind of quite an interesting story. Well, it's an interesting twist on a story, really. Yes. It's a good intro. Um, it's basically saying Sydney's renters would have saved 1800 a year if the average apartment complex built between 2017 and 2022 was just three stories taller. Really? Yes. Wow. And prices could fall by up to 40% if enough stock was introduced into the market. So this is a New South Wales Productivity Commission report. Right. And um, that's that's the result they discover, which I think is quite clever. I mean, it's a great way to appeal to... Um, Developers. Well, no, well, people who want to buy houses or people who want to rent homes, yeah. really. See, I thought we were talking about a completely different story, which was one where you could save a lot of money on your buying your apartment if you bought a two-bedroom apartment rather than a three-bedroom one, <laughs> which seemed kind of obvious Seems to me. It's a bit beneath you, Jimmy. Yeah, but this is, that's quite interesting. But yeah, these no. Productivity Commission reports always come in too late. Too late for what? Well, to do anything about them. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, it was 2017 <laughs> to 2022. Yeah, great, thanks. But they're, let's, they're, let's get in the time machine and go back and fix that now. But what they're saying, really, is that's an indicator why we should actually act now and build greater density in areas closer to the Sydney CBD. Yeah. And, and kind of we're starting to do that more now. We're starting to build greater density around rail hubs and tra- mm-hmm. all transport and bus stations, things like that. But... We need to do it more quickly, really. Well, the, you've got the NIMBYs 
and there is no one nimbier than Fox News who are coming out there, you know, their idiots after dark section or whatever they call it. They're saying that this is overriding all the carefully constructed planning laws that have been in place for the last thousand years or whatever. And how dare Chris Minns even think about putting apartment blocks near nice people's houses? Yeah, and did you read that mayor? Well, um, if I could just finish, oh, because sorry. I don't want that to go on the record. And the fact is that it's not overriding planning rules. It's just telling them they must consider. Mm. They must consider. Sure. And the, did you read about that mayor saying that um, dual occupancy on properties would turn Western Sydney into Calcutta? <laughs> <laughs> God. I think he's got a penchant and, for exaggeration there, sir. backyard cricket. Oh, yeah, this is the big thing. This is the big thing. (laughs) The backyard cricket, which I have not seen being played anywhere for the past 30 years, suddenly it's going to mean the end of Australia as a dominant force in world cricket because kids won't be able to hit balls into their granny's greenhouse. Well, you know, it's interesting. When I was a kid, we used to play backyard cricket. Hmm. We had a little tiny backyard. And um, we had to play it with a really soft ball because it would hit windows and smash windows. Yeah. And it would go into neighbours' gardens and we'd have to try and climb over the fence and they had yeah. a dog and it was just horrendous. All fun and games. Yeah, and if there'd have been a good park nearby, which, you know, usually with an apartment building, you're always going to have a big park nearby mm. if, it, if it's planned well. Yeah. If there was a nice park nearby that allowed ball games, that would be fantastic. That but, would be a much better solution, really, because then you can play with other kids and other parents. Everybody can kind of bundle in together. But we had a park. Well, we didn't have you a did. park. You did. You had really. a grassy bit. We had a grassy bit at the front, which had a big sign saying no ball games. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you need proper proper planning. And that's why England are so crap at cricket. Because Possibly, because yes. Basildon Council said no ball games on the, the grassy <laughs> bit. Uh, look, it's, uh, it's so much nonsense uh, around trying to prevent at all costs the one thing that is going to solve the housing problem, and and that report by um, that you just quoted mm. a- actually proves that if we allowed more high rise buildings or higher buildings where high-rise buildings are Already allowed, exist, yeah. we would have more housing and that would solve go some way to solving the housing problem. That's right. I mean, it's not as if people are going to be forced to live in the upper levels of these buildings either. I mean, we've got a friend who lives, you know, in a really high building, really close to the top, and she actually loves it. And some people do love it because they get incredible views. Mm, I wouldn't like it. Some people wouldn't like it so much. They prefer to live lower lower down. And some people like living on the ground floor or very close to the ground floor so they can just walk down the stairs and get outside quickly enough. I mean, we're we're all different and we all like different things. And the beauty of an apartment building, a well-planned apartment building, is it can suit all sorts of different personalities Mm. and there should be something there for everyone, really. Mm. I mean, a lot of people get freaked out by the fact that we are on the 15th floor. And I think mm. I found it a wee bit high when we first moved in, and now it's just feels normal. Normal, yep, sure. But our friend, I think, is she's on about the twenty-first floor of a building, and that does feel high. Mm. But then that would feel quite normal afterwards. And she does have extraordinary views. Yes, and she does have lots of parties. Yes, not mm. all of which we get invited to, but um, <laughs> and everybody That's else we enjoys keep complaining her view about as well. the, the height of the, the view. <laughs> mm. When we come back, 
we will be looking at Lock Up and Leave. Great. The Great Escape. That's after this. I think we've got a cracker this week. Oh, yeah. Where is it? It's in Tasmania, and it's a cottage. Well, it looks, it kind of looks, it's very modern, very designery. Mm-hmm. It's quite close to Richmond, which is quite close to Hobart. So you're handy there for Mona and the restaurants and cafes. Um, but it's just a lovely kind of isolated, uh, it, it looks suspiciously like a shipping container. <laughs> covered in timber cladding. Um, I think I'm doing a great disservice. There's a picture of it on the website. But it just, I, I thought, as soon as I saw it, I thought I could go there and finish my novel. About t- the sitting test. Is this one sitting test? No, this is the new one set in Kayama. Oh, okay. Maybe I should go to Kayama. You could. Yeah, I, I could. Probably more sensible. So how much is the one in um, Tasmania? Oh, I don't know. You've got to write to them. Oh, I can't find out. Because it'd be different price at different times of year. It'd be nice going to Tasmania for a few days. Peace and quiet, fresh mm. air. It's probably not too hot down there at the moment either. No, mm. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't mm. imagine so. Mm. Coming up for an election down there. Anyway, this is our lock up and leave on the website and on mildrover.com. And I would check it out, but maybe we shouldn't tell people to check it out because we might want to go there. <laughs> That's enough from us for one week. Covered a lot of ground. Mm, always. And next week we're going to have the people you like in your apartment block. Oh, good. Because people say I'm a bit negative. Okay. But they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sue. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Rap Podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.